Well, it's great to see everybody this morning. We're going to be in the Word this morning. John chapter 3, if you have your Bibles. John chapter 3. A well-known passage. We're just going to read together from verse 1. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And he came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God. For no one could perform the signs you were doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly, I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying, you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases, You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus, and do you not understand these things? Very truly, I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Amen. I want to preach today from this famous verse. We've been doing this essential series over the last uh, six, six months, maybe. Just verses from the Bible that are just critical to our understanding of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, that help us, that feed us, that uh, protect us, that give us an understanding of what it means to follow Jesus. And, you know, we couldn't really finish the series without looking at John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Wow, what a verse. You know, 26 words that summarize what we believe as Christians. Uh, the gospel in a nutshell, someone's called it. it, it it's, it's this summarization of, of really the whole of the Old and the New Testament together. God loved the world so much that he made a plan uh, and he put it into action through sending his son, Jesus Christ, to this world to give himself as a sacrifice for us. Uh, and it's, it's, it's an amazing thing. It's a call for us to have faith. It's a declaration of truth. It's a revelation of God's love for us. It's a promise for the future for our lives. And I want us to take hold of that this morning and think about it really through these four little words in the middle of it. Whoever believes in him. Whoever believes in him. You know, our faith today is found solely in Jesus Christ. Our faith today is centered upon this person of Jesus Christ. And what we believe about Jesus is the most important issue of life. Of life. You know, C.S. Lewis said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. 
If it's true, it's of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. It's interesting, isn't it? See, what you believe about Jesus, see, if you don't believe in Jesus, then it's of no importance to you. It's a bewildering thing to you. Why do people get so excited about him? Well, it's because we believe in him. Why why do people change their lives so much? It's because we believe in who he is. And when you believe in him, it's the most important thing in the world. What it can't be is a little bit important. What it can't be is just, well, you know, it's nice to believe in Jesus, but, you know, it doesn't really change anything. Friends, that can't be true. The Jesus who just makes us kind of think, oh, well, he was a lovely person, is not understanding who Jesus is. And so we need to understand today that if we believe in Jesus, then it changes everything. You see, uh, what we believe about him will determine how we live as followers of Christ. What we believe about him will change how we act and behave in our lives. You see, if you just see Jesus as a good teacher, then you'll be willing to maybe learn a little bit from his wisdom when it suits you. Hello? Have you noticed we're always learning to, willing to learn from people when it suits us, but never at other times? Anybody know that feeling? You ever had that in your head when somebody's talking to you? Not listening, not listening, not listening. Because we think we know best. See, friends, if we just believe Jesus is another teacher, then when he has something to say to us that we'll like, we'll be all ears. But otherwise, we won't listen to him. So when he says, you know, God loves you and has a plan for your life, we're all, hey, yeah, wow. When he says, go and leave your life of sin, we all go, not listening, not listening. Why? Because he's a good teacher. We can take it or leave it. If we just believe Jesus is a healer, then actually we'll approach him and our whole approach to him will be about whether we get healed or not and whether we can access some of his healing. And so as soon as we feel we can get healed, then we'll come. But if we feel that he's not answering, then we'll look to another source for our healing because our understanding of who Jesus is is based on whether he heals us or not. But Jesus is more than just our healer. And so we have to understand that what we believe about him changes us. If we believe that he's mystical and has something spiritual to say to us, then we'll seek for an experience. We'll look for uh, something to happen to us. See, Paul said about the people, said people, uh, uh, Gentiles, Jews look for wisdom. Gentiles look for an experience. But we preach Christ, the power of God. And so I want to challenge you about what you believe about Jesus because there's a lot of people who believe a lot of stuff about Jesus. But friends, sometimes I think the church has forgotten who Jesus is. Sometimes I think we've reduced him from who he is to just this person who suits us. I call it genie religion. And so we get our Bibles and we rub it. We hope the verse we quote in will jump out and meet our needs. It's genie religion. It's like, yes, God, please sort this out for me. Yes, God, please sort this out for me. And then we put the Bible away and we forget that Jesus is the Son of God, the creator of the world, the living, risen Messiah of the world. And so we have to come into this place. What do we believe about him? What do we say about him? You see, because if you believe that he is Lord and Savior, then you have to follow him. You have to say, well, actually, it's the most important thing. If you believe in anything else, then you can choose what you do. But when you say, yes, I believe in Jesus, and I deliberately asked them to sing the the creed this morning and these other songs that proclaim who Jesus is, because actually when we believe it, it then changes how we live. It changes how we view the life around us. So what does it mean to believe in him? Okay, we want to go this morning. Firstly, it means to believe in his deity, that he is God. We mustn't forget that. Sometimes we reduce Jesus down to 
chummy, chummy, chummy Jesus. But he is God, friends. The Bible says, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, divine being, came into the world for us. The JWs want to say that he's a God. Other religions want to include him in the pantheon of their prophets. But the scriptures testify that he is fully God in every way. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and all things were made through him that have been made. Friends, Jesus is not just a nice little figurehead in history. He's God. And so we have to proclaim and believe and hold on to the truth of who he is. And friends, that truth will always be under attack. People always want to reduce Jesus to just a good teacher because it's where we want him to be. But friends, if he's just a good teacher, we can all take him or leave him, just like we take or leave every other teacher. But if we believe he's God, friends, it changes everything. Hello? My kids tell me off for saying hello. Ben said to me last week, I just laughed at you the whole way through saying hello last week. So he didn't listen to anything I said. He just mocked me. Welcome to parenthood. But I'm saying to church, it's about who we believe he is. Now, I know we know this stuff, but I want to say, friends, we need to see him and protect him and acknowledge and hold to the truth that he is God. Jesus never claimed overtly to be God, but he talked about himself as if he was God. He said this, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Does that sound like something you would say or I would say? I might say, I know the way to the truth. Jesus says, I am the truth. I might say, well, I know how you can be saved. Jesus says, I am the way you can be saved. It's, it's this declaration of who he was, this conscious understanding that he was able to stand before people and say to them, no one has seen God, but now you've seen me. Wow. And so that changes everything about how we live today. It changes everything about how we come and we take these emblems today. You know, we're not, we're not celebrating the body and blood of any other martyr in history today. It's Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's not somebody who lived a good life and who we're having a little lighting a candle for to remember, friends. We are partaking of the flesh and blood of Jesus in remembrance of what he's done for us because he was divine. And so we have to escalate in our thinking, our understanding, our theology of who God is. We have to sometimes lose ourselves in wonder over who Jesus was. When was the last time you got alone with God and yourself and wondered over the enormity of the virgin birth that Jesus Christ? We sing it this morning and it trips off the tongue. But friends, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, came in human form and became a baby. We've got a little baby down here became just like this little baby. Sat in one of his dad's meetings of the synagogue, shaking his rattle. Friends, that's the truth of what we believe. God in human flesh. We believe in the deity of Christ. And that revelation changes our understanding. It changes how we relate to him. It changes what we think about him. People always wanted to reduce him. When he said to the disciples, who do people say that I am? They said, well, some say you're John the Baptist, who they knew had been executed, by the way. Some said Elijah or one of the other prophets. Why? Because it's always easier to reduce Jesus than it is to enlarge him. 
to try and make him more understandable, to try and make him fit our understanding, to try and reduce him to just the good people. But we have to fight to understand that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, that he is above all things. What about you? Who do you say I am? You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And listen to this. Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. Friends, do you remember the day when you became convinced? When the Father in heaven revealed who Jesus was to you? Come on, it has to happen, friends. Because when you believe that he's the Son of God, it changes things. When you believe that he came from heaven to earth to show the way for us and gave himself as a sacrifice. When you believe that, friends, it changes. It's not an emotion, friends. It's not something that makes you feel skippy every day. It's a belief that forms the rest of your life. And says, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? Because Jesus is with me. Jesus has gone before me. Jesus comes behind me. He's not some historical figure. He's my life and my all. He is God eternal. If Christ was simply a man, we could follow his teaching, but we could not worship him. Because that would be idolatry. If Christ were just a man, we could hold on to promises, but we could have no hope for the future. Because Jesus has promised to come back. If Christ were simply a man, we would still have to offer our own sacrifice for our own sins. Because no sacrifice that he could make would be appropriate for us. Friends, that's how serious it is. We need to elevate the deity of Jesus. We need to recognize, you know, and and in the familiarization of of life and the ritualization of our lives and we come to church every week and we, we get our Bibles out, we need to remember, friends, we're following God. Jesus has called us to walk with him in divine relationship. That's why Peter says he's given us every promise that we may participate in the divine nature. Wow. That's a bit of a mystery, isn't it? Anybody want to try and unpack that this morning? Because it's a bit beyond me. I only know that it's because the divine God has reached into my life and brought me alive in him. And out of that comes hope and life. Secondly, we must believe in his humanity. For God so loved the world that he gave his son. What an amazing truth that Jesus, the one who filled the world, the one who spoke the very creation into being, that he became a man. That he became a man. Who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Wow. See, we believe Jesus not only is God, but we believe he became a man just like us. That he knew what it was like to be tired and hungry. That he knew what it was like to be weary. That he knew what it was like to be angry. That he knew what it was like to be disappointed. He understood all the feelings of our lives, the Bible says. 
He understood what it was like to be tempted. Tempted to sin. Tempted to rebel. Tempted to choose his own way rather than God. The Bible said he was tempted in every way as we are, yet was without sin. That he lived as, as a person, as a man and a woman. He lived just like us, and yet he was able to live perfectly for God. What outrageous truth this is. What, what a testimony. But you see, friends, we mustn't let go of it because that's the most precious thing that we have. Not that, that Jesus was removed from us, that he hovered around like Superman, that he flew down and then flew up again. Friends, he came and he walked in the same weak humanity that you and I have. He knew what it was like to despair. He knew what it was like when all of a sudden his disciples deserted him. When his friends couldn't even stay awake with him when he was in need. Sound familiar, friends? (laughs) When he found himself all alone and only with God and he cried out, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Man, we've all prayed that prayer, haven't we? God, do I really have to walk through this? He was just like us. It's an amazing truth for us to consider. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses. Jesus knows. We used to sing that old thing, Jesus knows all about our struggles. He knows. He understands them. He's been there. And no one today, you know, the history or the historicity of Jesus is not seriously challenged anymore. Even, even the skeptics and the non-believers accept the fact that Jesus Christ walked the earth. But for us who believe, Christ is the Son of God and the Son of Man. He lived just like us. He walked just like us. And so we hold on to the truth. There is one God and one mediator between God and mankind, the man, Christ Jesus. That's where we find ourselves today. Hey, I know this is a bit of a teachy sermon, friends, but honestly, it's perhaps the most important thing you need to hear today. Because your faith in Christ will keep you anchored through life. If you believe he's God and you believe he's man, that's a great place to be. And I know that sometimes we have a silent assent to that. Yes, I believe that. But, you know, sometimes it's good for us to actually think about what that means, folks. To actually think about what it means to us. This is who I'm after. This is who I'm walking. See, because discipleship is walking after Jesus. If he talked about it again and again. Come and follow me. Walk after me. Learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. Who, who are we taking hold of? We're taking hold of the Son of God, the man, Christ Jesus. Human and divine. Thirdly, we need to believe in his mission. Whoever believes in him should not perish. Hallelujah. I want you to know Jesus came so that people didn't have to perish. People, Jesus came so that people could be saved from their sins. And, and we need to understand that. We need to believe in the mission of Christ. Jesus didn't come just to set this example of, of life in all its fullness. He came to save people from their sins. He came to turn away the wrath of God by offering himself as a sacrifice for the sins of the world. And let's not 
mistake it any other way. You know, in the book of Acts, uh, Peter stands up on the day of Pentecost and he says this, they did what, the, what God had previously prepared for them to do. In other words, in eternity, God had seen through time and had sovereignly decided that Jesus would come and offer himself as a sacrifice for the sin of the world to turn away God's wrath. Now, I know people get all kinds of excitement about that and say, well, you know, I, I'm, I wasn't even alive then, so it doesn't matter. But friends, I need you to see the picture here is God who lives outside of time, looking into this world that he had created where man had rebelled against him and said, we will do whatever we please. God, we will not have you as our king. And so God in his Wisdom and in his righteousness had determined that either they would die for their sin or that he would make a way for them to be saved. And so in his wisdom, he sat in heaven, God the Father, Son, and Spirit, the triune God, and he planned the redemption of the world even though they didn't want him. See, that's the amazing thing about the mission of God. He came to those who would receive him and those who didn't receive him, and he died for all of them. He didn't just die for the good folk, folks, which is a good job for most of us. He died for all those who will believe in him. That whoever believe in him should not perish. Friends, I want to say to you today, there is a hell to be shunned and a heaven to be gained because of Jesus Christ. There is eternal judgment and eternal reward. Otherwise, Jesus' death on the cross makes no sense. Why would Jesus die if there's nothing left? After you die. Because it makes no difference. He died on the cross for the sins of the world. He gave himself. Listen to the prophetic words that come. She will give birth. The, prophet, the angel speaking to um, uh, Mary's husband, Joseph. There we go. I know the Bible, really. <laughs> she will give birth to a son. And you are to give him the name Jesus. Because he will be a great healer. No. Because he will teach great things? No. Because he will be a great example of love and happiness and unity in the world? No. Because he will save the people from their sins. Friends, that's why Jesus came. Sometimes we've reduced the gospel to get saved, believe in Jesus, and everything works out. Friends, no. The gospel is get saved because without Christ you are condemned to hell. That's the gospel. We don't like it anymore. We become unpopular. We want to play it down and tell everybody, oh yeah, you can live the way you please and everything's going to be okay. Friends, it's not. It's not. There is a hell to be shunned and a heaven to be gained. And it comes from you saying, I believe in what Jesus Christ has done for me. That he gave himself on the cross for the sins of the world. Friends, otherwise Jesus makes no sense at all. Otherwise, it's not important. But if Jesus Christ be God and died for me, then there's nothing more important in our lives. And so we come with hope today, and we believe in his mission. And listen, Jesus believed in his mission, because on the cross, the last thing he said, as the life flowed from his body, he cried out these words, it is finished. So Jesus Christ, on the cross, as the life flowed away from him, saw this sacrifice as the way in which he sealed the salvation of the world. Come on. <laughs> yeah, wow. 
God came and did his work. It is finished. So it's important for us to understand that that's how he saw himself. He came to give himself as the price for our sin and to secure for us hope. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. What an amazing truth. Jesus came not to condemn you because you're sinful, but to save you because you're sinful. Because we're all sinful, the Bible says. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by what he brings to us. Jesus came so that on that day we can sing, my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. We won't stand before God and tell him all the good stuff we've done, will we? We won't be able to stand there and say, well, you know, I I was very charitable. I did good things. I thought good of people. All we'll be able to say is, God, I know I'm sinful, but I believe in the one that you sent, Jesus Christ. So therefore, my hope is built on him and what he's achieved for me. We need to believe in the mission, the redemptive purpose of God, because the redemptive purpose of God has not finished, friends. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of God's favor. And so we need to believe, when we say, whoever believes in him shall not perish, we need to believe that today, people 2,000 years later, 2,000 years on from the cross, can still be saved by the grace of God. It's got to be what we believe, friends. See, when we say we believe in Jesus, when we're a follower of him, that's what we're saying. We're not saying, well, I've got a nice religious feeling in my stomach. We're saying, you know what? I believe he was God. I believe he came as a man and died to save the sins of the world. And I believe that all who believe can find life in him. Friends, that's not a popular message in our world today. Hello. But friends, we either believe this about Jesus or we quit. Because he doesn't give us the option of just believing a little bit that we like. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but also for the sins of the world. We've got to believe in his mission. That he came to set people free. Friends, there are people in our city today who Jesus is set in the process of setting free. And he will bring them to faith in him. We've got to carry that in our hearts. We've got to see that the gospel is not chained, friends. The gospel is not limited to your witness of the gospel. The gospel is bigger than us. Hello. How many of you know Jesus reveals himself around the world? I told you just a few weeks ago about my friend Paul who was in Burkina Faso and he asked to meet with Muslims who had converted to Christ on the basis of a revelatory dream. And seven of them turned up within half an hour. People who had never heard of Jesus but who had met with him in a dream and who came into the church and said, I've given my life to Christ. Wow. Come on, that's exciting, isn't it? Well, oh, British understatement, isn't it? Well, that's a beautiful thing. It's terrific. Honestly, it's amazing, isn't it? Well, sometimes we just get so passe about, oh, yeah, yeah, it's lovely. Think about the worst person you know, the person you think needs saving more than anybody. Yeah, me, yeah. Jesus reached you, he can reach them. Why? Because we believe in the mission of the gospel, to seek and to save that which is lost. And then fourthly, we believe in the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, 
to eternal life. Hallelujah. Friends, it's a defining moment of the Christian belief. Jesus didn't just die for us. He rose for us. He didn't just pay for the price of sin. He opened the way to heaven for us. Friends, without this, we have no hope. Bible says, Paul says in Corinthians 15, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we ought to be pitied among all people. In other words, he says, if there's no resurrection, we're the most ridiculous people on the face of the planet. Come on. We know that, friends. But then he says these words, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead. Hallelujah. See, it's the resurrection that sets us apart. We don't believe in a good teacher who died for a good cause. We believe in Jesus Christ who gave himself for the sins of the world and after three days and defeating death and hell rose again and ascended into heaven, promising that he would return for his people. And therefore, we live with the expectation that Jesus will come again. Do we? See, when you believe that Jesus is coming again, everything changes, church. See, when you believe that we are laying up in heaven a reward that far exceeds anything that we can have on earth, your perspective changes, church. Because you see your life not just in the fulfillment of these 70 or 80 years you might have here, but you see your life in the, in the consequence of, of eternity, that Jesus is coming again to take us to himself. His resurrection tells us that there is a promise of eternal life. And Jesus told his disciples that. In my Father's house of many rooms, if it were not so, I would have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be where I am. What a promise. The angels on the day he descended, ascended into heaven, said to the disciples, men of Galilee, why do you stand here looking? This same Jesus will come in the same way that he has gone. It's the hope of the church. And friends, you know, without the hope of the resurrection, we have nothing. We have just the teaching of a good man. But because Jesus is Christ, is Lord, we have the promise of eternal life. And I want to stir your hearts today. I want you to focus on that. When we come and we take these emblems in just a few moments, and we take the bread that speaks of his body that was broken for us, and we drink the wine that speaks of his blood shed for us, this isn't just about covering our sin. This is about covering our sin and leading us into eternal life, that we might have hope in this world. The promise of eternity with him. I know it sounds incredible. I know that it sounds fanciful. I know that. Friends, but this is my hope today. Jesus Christ is alive. And that whoever believes in him shall have everlasting life. And friends, all over the world, this gospel is bearing fruit and is growing because Jesus is revealing himself as Lord and Christ into the world around us. Do not be amazed at this, for a time is coming when all who are in their graves will hear his voice and come out. Those who have done what is good will rise to live. Those who have done what is evil will rise to be condemned. What an amazing verse. Why? Because Jesus is alive. Because he promises us eternal life. 
So we see today the gospel in a nutshell. Believe in his deity. He is the Christ, the son of the living God. Believe in his humanity. He's just like we are, yet he didn't sin. Believe in his mission. He came to defeat the devil and to atone for the sins of the world. Believe in his resurrection. He is alive and is coming again and will bring all who believe in him into eternal life. You might not have heard it put quite like that before today. Maybe a bit more direct than perhaps it would be sometimes. But Jesus Christ died for you to make a way for you. And today you might not believe that. And hey, you know, that's okay. I respect that. I believe it with all my heart. But today you might be in a place where you're saying, you know, David, I believe in Jesus. And what you've said to me makes sense today. And maybe even as I've said it, there's been a revelation from God to you who Jesus Christ really is. So the issue for you is what will you do with Jesus? God loves you and has made a way for you by sending his son to die. And if you will believe in him as Lord and Savior, you'll come to him and acknowledge who he is, then you too can be saved. Amen. We're going to come and sing a couple of worship songs as we come to communion this morning. I just want us to focus really on who the Lord is right now. We're going to come and take communion in a short while. We're going to give an opportunity for people maybe to respond to the Lord this morning. The Bible says this, For I received, for what I received I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, that he was buried and that he was raised on the third day. That's why we come. That's our hope this morning. We're just going to come into the...